0: So it's the Lord's Day and it's Christmas Day. The Lord's Day and it's Christmas Day. Well, have you opened any of your presents yet? Or are you saving your presents for later? Or are you saving your presents for another day? I know there's different views on this and people are doing um, different things. But if you have opened any presents yet, has anybody had any surprising presents? Has anybody been bold enough to say that they had a surprising present? Well, so Stephen has. What was it, Stephen? I got a teddy bear. A teddy bear? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Brilliant, that's great. You didn't bring him? <laughs> no. you didn't bring him today, yes. I
1: bought Barbara an EVD, and Barbara bought me an EVD in the same order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Christmas!
0: <laughs> I know what you'll be watching. <laughs> Brilliant. Is there anybody else? Have one more? Alright, one more from me, and that is a gift from somebody, well actually more than one person, which today I got, and I um, got some Calvin Klein aftershave. Ooh. Well I haven't had aftershave for 20 odd years, okay? <laughs> so it wasn't from Hannah, it was from the children, so obviously you know, if you can start something this afternoon you'll know what it is. Okay? So surprising things, surprising things. Well, a couple of weeks ago when I preached, we looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth and surprising announcement to them that even in their old age, they were going to have a baby, boy, even though they're in their 70s and their 80s. God is a God of surprises. And he was going to work wonderfully in and through them to bring his purposes to pass. So I want to continue with that theme of surprise today and look at this passage in Luke chapter 2. Because here, what we see is that the gospel is going to go global. It's going to move on. There's an announcement here, which says in verse, where are we? In verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. So the Gospel and the Jewish faith, if you like, the Old Testament faith, wasn't just going to be confined to them anymore. It was mainly in the Old Testament, but you think of Jonah and his preaching to Nineveh and so on. But now, formally, in God's phase of his plan, He's going out to the whole world, to all different types of people, different situations, different languages. God was going global with his plan. But when you look at this passage you'll see actually there's some very surprising things about it there's some things that you think well if i was going to announce this movement now this birth of the christ child the birth of the son of god would i have done it in that way would i have done it at that time would i have chosen that location would i have chosen these this kind of people So let's have a look at this. So the message of this morning is all about this. It's about something that's surprising. God is a God of surprises. And what we see here is something surprising. So I hope to convey that to you as we look in this passage now. So I have four real points. And the first is this. Surprising timing. The surprising timing that surrounds the events of the birth Of the Lord Jesus and of him coming into the world. So what is going on in the nation? What's the context? Well, we know it's a time when, verse 1, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be (coughs) taxed. The census took place while Cyrenius was governing Syria. So this announcement and the angel is given in the context really of national chaos national upheaval because people are crisscrossing the nation they're going to the place where their family was from and families would be getting together they would be packing their bags they'd be thinking about a trip they were going to make it would be a stressful time it'd be a pressured time for them difficult enough planning a holiday if you've got children, trying to remember everything you need for the children. And trying to get everybody in the mindset that we have to travel. And here they were, people moving from town to town, focused. With one thing in my mind, get to the place, pay your tax, and get home again. It was a time of stress. It was a surprising time. It was a humiliating time as well, because for the Israelites, it will be another reminder... That they weren't their own people. That they wanted all the authority of the Romans. And the Romans were the people who really dictated what they did. They were the ones who, take of the fingers like Caesar here, imposed order, change on them at whim and at wish. So it was a humiliating time. It was a stressful time for them. That's the context of it. So when God gives this announcement through the angel to the shepherds, did God know about that? Was God aware of that? Was that the kind of time that you would have chosen? Normally when you make an announcement on something, you want people to be ready and prepared and listening and switched on and open. But no people would have been switched off and moving, going here, there and everywhere. But God knew exactly what he was doing. It's a surprising time for us looking at it. But it's not a surprising time for God. Because God is the one who created this situation. God is the one who holds the king's heart in his hands, in his mind. He's the one who moved Caesar to kick off this census. He is the one who moved within him to push this in the nation. God has a purpose. God had a plan. God had a reason. God spoke to the most powerful man, probably on earth at the time, Caesar, to move him to cause this census. It says in Galatians 4, when we lift up from the narrative, when we look to the, the theological uh, implications of this, it says that in the fullness of the time, or at the right time, God sent forth his Son, Born of a woman. Born under the law. God did it. So God is the sovereign king. God is the king of Caesar. He's the one who created this situation. He has a timetable for this world. He's the one who created this upheaval in the lives of Mary and Joseph and others. And he does it for a reason. He has a purpose behind it. It may seem a surprising time to you and me, but it's the right time. Because it was God's time. God was on the move. God was bringing in this new phase of his plan. It reminds us of this truth, doesn't it, that God is in control of the world. Nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens because people just decide to do it. God is the great governor. He's the one who rules and governs in providence, in our world. At Christmas time, we, we look up to this surprising timing that God is surprising behind all of it. It was God's time. God's time to build his kingdom. We think about the war in Ukraine, and we think about what's happening internationally. We know that God is the king of all of these things. He's the mover and checker, if we can say that. He's the one behind international affairs. Ultimately, we may not understand it, but he has a purpose and a plan for it. He has a will. He has a wisdom. We can't see that necessarily. People in Israel at this time may not have seen it, but they experienced it. They didn't know what God was doing. The blessing that he was bringing about... A spiritual blessing. We've heard of conversions and blessing in Ukraine, even in spite of the situation. God can bring blessing in times of difficulty, times of change. And here's the sovereign God. So the surprising timing here. You think about your life you think about my life. You think, well, why is this happening to me? You say the timing of something may all be wrong. It might be a job. It might be a relationship. It might be something else with your health or in your life. Why is this happening in my life right now? But God has timing. God has surprising timing sometimes. And he works blessing through it. Times of stress, times of pressure. So here we have the context, surprising timing. And you and I can take comfort in the fact that Christmas reminds us that God is behind the timing of our lives, of your life and my life. He's not oblivious to it. He is the one in control of it. He's the one who's working through it for his glory, surprising timing. Secondly, there's a surprising location here for this announcement and for what is happening here at Christmas time? I'm going to take my jacket off. So surprising location. So where does God choose to make this announcement? This is the child, this is the Christ child who's been promised from the beginning of time, even from eternity. The most important birth that there would ever be to parents. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God of God, he's light of light. He is the one who had no beginning and has no end. The word became flesh and took on human form, the eternal son of God. The one through through whom all things were made. So God made everything through Christ. So what is the location that this child would be born? What are the circumstances of this birth? Surely we would naturally think, where would you choose it to be that was fitting and appropriate? If you could write down, okay, so if you were going to plan this birth of the most important, regal, royal child, where would you choose? There's only one obvious place, and that's Jerusalem, isn't it? In a palace, or somewhere that's fitting the importance and the glory of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords what was what was the chosen location well we know it's bethlehem Bethlehem's 5 miles outside of jerusalem it's in the shadow of jerusalem it is small it is insignificant but you bethlehem you are the smallest amongst the cities of judah it means you are the smallest the tiniest it's a completely insignificant called city, but actually it was much smaller than that, it was more like a town it was a nobody place with a nobody people it didn't make the list of the two lists of cities in the Old Testament it wasn't big enough, it wasn't important <coughs> enough, and yet the Holy Son of God who is shrouded in glory and holiness who came on this mission to rescue us is born in this nowhere place It's a surprising location, isn't it? It's a city that people push through to get to Jerusalem and (coughs) status, and a birth in that place would go completely unnoticed. It Wasn't where the intellectuals were, the politicians were. It was where really nobody was, and this announcement comes on the hillsides, outside Jerusalem. So, why would God choose Bethlehem to arrive on the earth? Because although it's a surprising place, it's the right place. <laughs> it's the place of prophecy, it's the place where God promised the Christ child would be born. If God hadn't worked in the heart of Caesar, Augustus, to call for a census, the birth would never have been in Bethlehem. What reason did Joseph got to have, <coughs> and Mary, to go to Bethlehem? Mary is at the last stages of her pregnancy. The last thing they want to do is to travel anywhere. It had to take a census to move them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He had to take the God of Caesar to work in his heart, to move, to put all these pieces into place, that this surprising location may be the place where the Son of God was born. You might say, well, maybe Joseph had family there. He was in the house and the family tree of David. If he had family there, what are the family doing allowing his pregnant wife to go and give birth in a stable somewhere? Wouldn't somebody have given up a room for her? Or a bed for her? Or a place for her? No, I don't think there's any evidence that he had anybody there anymore. As they were on their own. In the stable. (coughs) In the darkness. This special, surprising location. What can we draw from this? Well, when God says he's going to do something. He will do it. He will do it. If he's got to work in the heart of a Caesar and move him to call a census to move Joseph and Mary from Nazareth into Bethlehem, he will do it. He gives a promise. He keeps his promise. He gives a covenant. He keeps his covenant. He's faithful. He works out his purposes. I am the Lord, I do not change, he says. And you and I could draw comfort from his promises this morning. Believing his promises. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. God is with us. Who can be against us? He promised the return of the Lord Jesus in glory. Just like he's kept this promise. He will keep that promise. He will return. He will come. And every eye will see him. It's a surprising location. It shows to us God. It's a surprising place. But it's the right place. Because it's the place that God had chosen. Thirdly, surprising announcements. When the shepherds went to bed that night. They went to bed. Maybe they just sat around the campfire. Maybe they just sat in the darkness chatting about the day. Talking about the flock. Maybe they are talking about other things that were going on in Jerusalem. We don't really know. There was no leak that this was coming. Was there? There was no teaser. Of something to look out for, there was no pre-announcement to them to wait up because something special is going to happen tonight. Something spectacular. They had no idea of what was going to happen that evening. Verse eight. Now there were in the country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. If we could have been there, you, just, you would have just seen terror, absolute terror on their faces. Fear. You can see fear on somebody's face, can't you? Have you seen fear on somebody's face? True fear. You go white. You start to Shake. As you can imagine, get yourself into the shoes of one of the shepherds. Or meditate, think about how the shepherds were feeling at this time. The terror and fear that they must have experienced. Something that you and I have never experienced. Verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. wasn't far away, close proximity. This is a close encounter with the angelic kind. And what is it that they would have had a sense of? This angel was from the presence of the Lord, the holy God, the one who is holy, holy, holy. And this angel would have radiated the holiness of God. And the light and the glory of the Lord that shone around them, they became conscious of the awe and the holiness of God in the radiated through this, this angel would have permeated the whole scene. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. Don't walk past the phrase "glory of the Lord." It's hugely significant here. What is this glory? Well, this is what's called the Shekinah glory. This is the visible presence of God. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and into the He was leading them and he was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The visible presence and the glory of God. He guided them. The glory of the Lord filled Solomon's temple. The presence of God. And Ezekiel tells us that the glory of the Lord left Jerusalem and went over the hills and far away. When the Israelites were then taken, the Judah people were taken into exile. But he promised it would return. The glory of the Lord would return. And the glory of the Lord returning here on this hillside because God is bringing his people back to himself. He's working in their lives. He's moving on his plan to the next phase and his timetables. Surprising timing and a surprising location and surprising announcement. Why did these shepherds fear? What does this radiating light do? What does light do? Shows up the darkness. Shows up and exposes darkness. And how could they have stood there? These men, maybe they were believing men, but they were there they were sinners, they knew what it was then to be in the presence of God. If you can imagine sometimes feeling conviction of sin, well we know what it is if you're a Christian tonight to feel that conviction this morning, to feel that conviction of sin. You'd increase that a hundredfold. (coughs) Then you would be, as it were, incredibly stressed and traumatised as you feel your sin. As the light shines into your hearts, come into the, the presence of this angel and we realise our sin. That we've broken God's standards. Because God is light and him is no darkness at all. And we realise our own darkness and our own sin. The glory of the Lord is shining into their hearts. Uncovering. A couple of months ago. In our bathroom. The floor seemed a bit spongy. Just by the shower, everything looked fine, a bit spongy. So I took up the liner and it was it was messy. So I pulled back the liner, and I pulled it even further back, and I ripped the whole thing out of the bathroom. And there had been a leak in the shower which had come underneath the tray and completely wrecked. And it was black, it was mouldy, it was it was a mess. It's actually not safe, either. And when the glory of the Lord shines, when God's for us, it's the glory of the Lord shining through his word. When he brings his word home to us, by the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and our hearts. We, is it he exposes, it removes that covering where we think we're okay and we think we're okay in the sight of God. We think we're clean, but no, it pulls back and we realize our sin and there is fear there. There is fear of judgment. There's fear. How can I face God? And I wonder if you've ever felt that fear. When the word of God is preached or when you've read it, you realize that God is holy and you recognize your sin. You recognize that you're unclean inside, maybe your lips or your, your heart and your mind. And you realize that you've committed sin against God. These shepherds surely felt something of that in the presence of this angel as the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the surprising message comes to them in verse 10, he says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. This is a surprising message for sinners. They expected a message of judgment. Maybe. Maybe. Because they were sinners and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Has God come to meet with us and to destroy us? No, He hasn't. He's come cool with good news. He's gonna save us. He's gonna take away that darkness. He's gonna take away that sin. He's gonna bring the Christ child, a Savior, who we need, who we need so badly. Israel have been saved from any dire situation. God saved them from the hand of the Egyptians. He'd save them from the hand of their enemies, from uh, from Zennacherib and other national enemies and saved David from Goliath and so on. But he never saved them from their sins. Personally, individually. In that sense... As a nation. And here is. Revealing the saviour. Has come. He's a saviour that the believers in the Old Testament. looked forward to. And were saved by. But now is the fulfilment. In their hearing. At their time. On that day. For them. It's a surprising announcement. To them. Luke Luther historian uses the word evangel. For good news here. And he uses it more than any other writer in the New Testament. The good news, the gospel, the evangel is announced. I received, we received a card this Christmas which said, Christmas, this is where Easter begins. This is where Easter begins. And Christmas and Easter are so connected together, aren't they? Because wrath is satisfied through a saviour. This Christ child would live the perfect life and he would die on the cross to atone for our sins, to reconcile us to God, to cleanse us and renew us. Why would God do this? Why would God (coughs) be interested in sinners? Why would he care? He cares because he loves us. He cares because he loves us. He sent Christ because he loved us. In 2018, in Thailand, twelve boys went into a cave to explore it, and they went deeper into the cave and deeper into the cave, and then the monsoon came, and they were trapped, and they were trapped for a long time. The rescue effort involved 10,000 people, more than a hundred divers. Scores of rescue workers, representatives from about 100 different governmental agencies, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, 7 ambulances, more than 700 diving cylinders, pumping more than a billion litres of water out of the caves as part of that rescue plan you're remembering. I'm sure it's a few years ago. But what was it that motivated that rescue What was it that was behind and drove all those people and all that money and all that time and all those prayers? Wasn't it love? It was compassion. It was the willingness to save, to rescue. It was the hearts of love from people. Galatians 4:4 says, "When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under the Lord, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons." When you look to the Christmas meshes, the surprising thing behind all of it is the heart of God, the gracious, loving heart of God, for sinners. It's a surprising heart. Because he's a surprising God, even though we've rebelled against him, even though we turn against him, even though we sin against him, his heart of rescue for <coughs> us. He couldn't have given any more than giving his son. And he gave him for us. It's a surprising announcement. The sin can be removed. It's a surprising message, but it's the right message because it's God's message do you see the value of this message at Christmas time because you value in so many things we value our friends, we value our family we value the church we value gifts don't we but the Lord Jesus Christ and the heart of God God himself is ultimately valuable he is the treasure of all treasures he is the, the giver of all gifts he is the heart of all hearts He's the lover of all lovers. It's a surprising message. But it's the right message. What will you value most of this time? What would you get for Christmas that you think, I really, I would really value that? Maybe iPhone 14, maybe some of you, or a Gamsung Samsung. A Samsung Galaxy 7. That's the one that opens like a pizza, you know, you saw the adverts when the world cut was on. You know, all these things we can sort of wow, you know, get one of those, that'd be fantastic. People like that. Or well, maybe House of Fraser's opened in Derby City Centre, hasn't it? Twelve of surprise. Unlimited clothes from House of Fraser. Anything you wanted. Just stream. Wow. That may maybe something that you would like. Maybe just to feel well, you know, maybe to have your health. Yeah, to feel well, and get up and about, and do things and go out. And I went to the cathedral the other day, there was a couple of, with a couple of the children and there's something there called the tree of light. The tree of light, and people write their messages and they hang it on this tree, whatever the rights and wrongs of it, in a sense it was interesting to read some of the messages. and People saying, you know, looking back in the past, about treasured times, or treasured loved ones who died. We should treasure and value what God has given us. And we should treasure and value most of all the Lord Jesus for all that he has done for us. And we remember it today on Christmas Day. Other things will give us joy, we thank God for them, but the greatest thing is not a possession, it's a person of Jesus. It's Father, Son and Holy Spirit, it's God, the three in one, revealed more clearly through the Lord Jesus and that relationship with him. Finally, and briefly, fourthly, surprising people, surprising times, surprising location, surprising announcements, surprising people. Who received this message? Hugh and I were around at the time. We were alive at the time. Who will give this message to. Well, thinking business, thinking politics, and so on. Maybe the Romans give this message of the Christ child to the Romans. They can disseminate it. They've got the communication. They've got the politicians. They can connect back to Rome. They can spread this round. All over the place. Give it to them with their influence and power. Maybe give this message to the, to the Romans. They'll be influencers. Maybe the religious establishments. Give it to the Pharisees, Sadducees, with all their connections. They can have it in every synagogue in a few days. They can have it broadcast to the nation. Through mouth to mouth, through communication. Well, no, the people that God gives it to are surprising people. Because it gives it to the shepherds. It gives it to these guys who are on the hillside. They are nothing. They have nothing. They're not educated. They don't have connections. What kind of influencers are they? They're dirty in appearance. Their word is so untrustworthy, it's not but it is not valid in court. And he's given it to these men. Whose word is not trustworthy, as it were, generally speaking. To be his influences. He's given it to a surprising people. Surprising people. That this long promised saviour was being born. And these are the guys who would see the Christ child first. Before everybody else. These are the outcasts. Nobody liked them. They stank. But these are the ones given the message, given the announcement. It's to it a surprising people. It's to, you just wouldn't plan it that way, humanly speaking, in one sense. The question this morning, i just personalise this a little bit. What would you do with the announcement this morning? What would you do with the announcement this morning? You see in verse 10 that this announcement is to all people. It's to every nation. And you know the wonderful things today, coming to worship God on this day, we we'll remember the birth of Christ. He's been worshipped in pretty much every nation. All people. This is fulfilled in the growth of the church in the last 2,000 years. This baby in Bethlehem, this surprising time and location. This is to all people, different ethnic groups, different languages, different nations, all worshipping him today. And that's a wonderful thing. We join together with them in the presence of God. secondly, you personally are invited to trust in Jesus Christ and to receive him as your personal saviour. Let's look at these words here it says. For there is born, verse 11, for there is born to you shepherds, to youth. Yeah, the shepherds of the people, they would have excluded themselves. They would have said, well, this message is not for me. Nothing's for me. I'm a nobody. I can't even go to the synagogue. They won't let me in. Why is this message for me? In the presence of this holiness. Surely this isn't for me. I'm not worthy of this. I. Why? Why would I be given this? And the point is this that if you feel that way this morning, you feel that way because of your sins, you might feel that way because maybe you've had the truth for a number of years and you've turned from it, maybe for whatever reason, this message is for you this morning. To make the most unlikely of people were the shepherds. If the most unlikely of people are invited, you are invited too, to come and to believe in this Saviour, that your sins might be forgiven, that you might have peace with God, these downtrodden men. The door is open. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph with the Christ child with Jesus. Here they are, and it's dark. They're on their own. They've been told by the angel that this is the special child, Emmanuel. God's with us. Where's everybody else they could have thought? Where are they? Well, this is the royal birth. God's son. And then there's a knock at the door. And the door opens. And in come the shepherds. What a wonderful encouragement for them. A wonderful encouragement that God says to all of us, without exception, it doesn't matter. You might feel excluded, as it were. You might exclude yourself from this and say, well, I'm in a different background, or I was brought up in a different religion, or a different way of thinking, or I've sinned in this way, or I've rejected this so many times, surely he's not going to have me back. But well, the truth is, he will. He will have you if you will go to him. Repentance and faith, he is the saviour, the greatest gift. Don't reject the gift. This Christmas time, I'm sure every one of us here will get a gift won't get a gift from me, but you'll get a gift. We'll all get a gift from somebody. What a terrible thing is to reject a gift. How insulting is to reject a gift. Or what about Christ? God's gift to this world. What What will God make of that if you reject Christ? The unspeakable gift. The indescribable gift. Gift of his love and grace. The saviour who is Christ the world. Christ the Lord, saviour of the world. Let me urge you to take hold of it today by faith. Take hold of him. Make him your saviour. So surprising time, surprising location, surprising announcement to surprising people. It's surprising, isn't it? It's surprising. Why does he do it in this way? Why does God (coughs) work in this way? Let me read to you as we close just some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the worlds to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the worlds and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. God works it all, He works it for, for His glory and for our blessing. He does surprising things to the glory of his name. It's a surprising message. Christmas is a surprising time. May God bless you, bless us all, this Christmas time. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to our final hymn. Joy is dawned upon the world, promised from creation. God's salvation now unfurled hope from every nation. Not with fanfares from above, nor with scenes of glory, but a humble gift of love, Jesus, born of Mary. Together this morning, we thank you. We can consider all more deeply some of the events of this passage and of what the Lord Jesus came into this world to do and the events surrounding it. We praise you that you are the surprising God, that you work in surprising ways, Lord, that no one should glory in your presence. Lord, you do according to your will in heaven and on earth, and we give you praise. We praise you for the gospel. We praise you that through the Lord Jesus, all our sins can be forgiven, and there can be peace between you and us. We give you glory for these things. Bless the rest of the day. We do pray, for we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.